My name's Red, and I want to tell you about Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Welcome back to another episode of Transformers Tuesdays, where we talk Transformers all the time, every time. Hey, what's up? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm ripping my head off and giving it to you listeners, and I am not alone tonight. Why don't you give a shout out and toss your sidearm over so the listeners can join us? Hey, it's Mike, and don't trust any robots except these robots. We can trust them. Yeah, so so this is this is kind of my choice. This is almost for me a, a stories from the spinner rack episode of Transformers Tuesdays because of the the four issue limited series that we're gonna discuss tonight, three of them were purchased on the spinner rack. I was trying to remember if it was I, I think it was probably various locations, but I feel like it was like you know, thrifties and Safeway and places like that, that I ended up getting these. And it was, I, I got issue two, issue three and issue four. And then I had to get issue one as a back issue from the comic shop in San Leandro for that fabled trip. The one trip where they said, my dad was like, get what you want. Cause we ain't coming back here. And, and headmasters number one was one of the many back issues that I picked up on that trip. And of course I've kind of given it away. We're going to be discussing the Marvel miniseries Transformers Headmasters issues one through four because it is 35 years old. This is the 35th anniversary of Transformers Headmasters, and it was published by Marvel. The cover dates of one through four ran from July 1987 to January 1988, but of course it's Trixie because the on-sale dates were March 1987 to September 1987 and you might still be saying what the hell it's only four issues dude like why why is it so long well because it was bi-monthly released so basically every two months you would get an issue of this headmasters miniseries the cover price was a dollar and the editor was Don Daly the writer was Bob Budiansky the penciler was Frank Springer the inkers were Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey, the letterer Diana Albers, colorist Nelson Yomtov, and the editor was Don Daly. And for the cover credits for issue one, it was our good buddy Bob Budiansky. But for issues two through four, it was the internal artist Frank Springer with Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey supplying inks. The titles of the four issues are Ring of Hate, Broken Glass, Love and Steel, Brothers in Armor. And as you can tell by that synopsized credits, I'm, I'm just going to kind of, I, I, I'm taking a different tack this time. Basically what I did because I'm lazy and also because I don't want to read broken ass English from the stupid interwebs. I hate you interwebs and your broken stupid English. What I did was I knew I knew this was covered in Marvel Age. 
So I went back and found the issue of Marvel Age where they wrote a nice little write-up all about Headmasters. So I'm going to go ahead and read that, and then we'll just cover the issues one at a time, and I have like little kind of write-up synopses or whatever for each of the issues that are like a sentence long, and we can just discuss each issue one at a time what our notes are. So I'll just go into this real quick, and then we will discuss... So, the Marvel Age article, and this is, here, let me give credit where credit's due. The the Marvel Age article is written by a gentleman named Ken Hart. So, this is, I'm reading, I'm reading non-broken English. Thank you, Ken Hart, because you got paid to write this, so it's non-broken. It seems you'd have to be living in Timbuktu not to know of the galaxy-spanning Autobot Decepticon war unfolding in the pages of the Transformers. In fact, fans of those incredible shape-changing robots have been burying us with letters, demanding to know how the epic struggle between the noble Autobots and evil Decepticons is being waged on other planets. Well, now that story can be told in the Headmasters limited series. Creator and writer of the four-issue bi-monthly limited series is THE Transformers scripter Bob Budiansky. Penciling the saga is erstwhile Transformers penciler Frank Springer, and inking the adventures is the regular Transformers team of Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey. Editor of the series is another man steeped in the lore of robots from Cybertron, Transformers editor Don Daly. As Bob explained, the various Autobots and Decepticons who star in the main series make up only a portion of the Transformers who live on their homeworld Cybertron. Millions of years ago, the spaceship carrying Optimus Prime, Megatron, and the other robots we're most familiar with crashed on Earth, leaving them inactive until modern times. But what of all the many robots still fighting the vicious civil war for control of Cybertron? It is with these Autobots and Decepticons that the bizarre and tragic origin of the Headmasters begins. The limited series will also feature the premiere of yet another new group, the Target Masters. As the robots who landed on Earth lay quote-unquote comatose, the battle continued for centuries on Cybertron, with neither side gaining a decisive edge in the fierce conflict. Headmasters number one opened slightly prior to recent events in the Transformers series. The Cybertronian Autobots are celebrating an important victory over the evil Decepticons, but there is one who does not share in the rejoicing. Fortress Maximus, one of the Autobot leaders who Bob describes as a quote-unquote very heroic character, finds it difficult to be anything but solemn. He knows that many more battles remain before the Civil War can finally end. Fortress, while scanning the star systems beyond Cybertron, detects a previously unknown planet, acting under the possibility that something on this world could aid them against the Decepticons. Fortress and a group of Autobots travel to the mysterious planet. The native humanoid inhabitants refer to their home as Nebulos, and for many centuries have led a completely peaceful existence, having long ago rejected the violent ways of their ancestors. Unfortunately, Budiansky says, the Nebulans view the Autobots as a threat to that peace. How would you feel if a squad of giant robots moved into your neighborhood? A Nebulan leader named Galen urges his people to maintain a calm attitude, but others, goaded on by the fiendish Lord Zarek, dust off the weapons which they haven't used for thousands of years, Budiansky says. Fortress Maximus, bravely trying to preserve the peaceful intent of the Autobot mission, makes an amazing sacrifice 
As proof of their intentions, Fortress and the other five Autobots remove their heads and leave their inactive bodies for the Nebulans to do with as they will. The crisis apparently over, right? Wrong. Seeing the appearance of the Autobots as an opportunity to gain power, Lord Zarek manages to contact Cybertron, and he enters an alliance with the chief Decepticon, Scorponok. The Decepticons then launch a massive attack on Nebulos. Desperate, some Nebulans go inside the bodies of the sacrificed Autobots, but their merely human reflexes can't operate the weaponry quickly enough to hold back the threat of Scorponok. The Nebulans then find a solution. A number of them undergo a strange bioengineering process that enables them to transform. With the minds of the original Autobots linked to their own brains, these Nebulans shapeshift into the new operators of the robot bodies. The Headmasters are born. Galen himself is computer-linked with the mind of Fortress Maximus and becomes the Headmaster in command of Fortress's body. As the battle progresses, some of the Nebulan weapons are converted into sentient robots, the Target Masters. Headmasters and Target Masters are developed on both sides during the escalating war, and it is here that the tragedy of the tale lies. Budiansky says that Fortress had visited the once peaceful world with the hope of ending the Civil War on Cybertron, but instead, he only succeeded in bringing that seemingly unending battle to Nebulos. The four-part Headmasters limited series concludes with a special surprise. Without revealing any specific details, it can be suggested that interested readers check out events in the Transformers monthly comic after the final issue of the Headmasters reaches the stands in September. The excitement begins with the Headmasters limited series in March. Master the possibilities. Ow. Okay, I'm sorry. And that was the Ken Hart article. And I guess we can discuss each issue individually. And, of course, I've got the little blurby Marvel Age write-ups for each of those. And they're only like a sentence or two, so it's not a big deal. Issue one. Uh, little did we suspect years ago that the Transformers, the series about those amazing shape-changing robots from the planet Cybertron, would become one of the biggest hits of the 80s. Well, we don't need the sky to fall on us. After the success of last year's Transformers Universe and G.I. Joe versus the Transformers, we just had to kick off a new Transformers series, Transformers Headmasters. It's a four-issue limited series written by Mr. Transformer himself, Bob Budiansky, penciled by Frank Springer, and inked by Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey. And it answers the most asked question, what would happen if an Autobot and a human physically merged? The amazing answer is announced in the first issue on sale in March. So yeah, issue one. I mean, to me, the the cover is pretty iconic. The 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 image of Fortress Maximus like ripping his head off in front of the the battlefield and all that stuff. What do you? I guess I I, I don't know. I'm just opening it with the cover, and then maybe we can get into like how you first came to to read this. Well, I only for many years I only had issue two of this mini series, and like it was a back issue I acquired somewhere. I don't know if I got it from my older cousin or I just bought it in a back issue bin or what, but I, I only had issue two. I still knew about like all the characters because I had other issues that featured like Zarek and his cronies and, you know, Fortress Maximus and stuff. So I already knew like that. I think I saw the rebirth like sometime concurrent with with like, you know, reading some of these issues. So like I was very aware that, you know, the Nebulans were very different in the cartoon and the comic. I want to say, like, 
I probably didn't read this first issue until like years after. Like I probably either picked it up in a back issue bin or I read it as a scan somewhere on the internet. But like, I mean, like I, I guess I don't have much like nostalgic fondness for this issue because okay. it was just something I tracked down eventually. But you know, I've got an appreciation for what like Budiansky was trying to do here. He was trying to open up another like you know corner of the you know galaxy. For the you know the Transformers like you know adventure war whatever you whatever whatever have you I mean it's kind of like it, it's almost like I, I want to say like you know like Budiansky loves doing the you know human perspective in Transformers so like it, it's Nebulos is basically I mean another Earth basically mm-hmm. I mean it's an alien planet but they're all they I I think they even call them humans like they don't call them Nebulans they all they all just call them humans or fleshlings so I mean it's basically the same thing and like I I remember being like suffering like some of your like legendary annoyance with like Circuit Breaker with like a lot of the yes. human characters in I, this I, series. I I have well. a, like, I'm, I have my note and I I think my note is is for way later but the note is the those political observers are like fucking Circuit Breaker without all the superpowers. Yeah, you know? like I mean and I mean, even Zarek, like as strong as a character as Zarek becomes, like later under like Furman's pen, like even here, he's just like it. Like, I don't know, his motivations don't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Like, he's just he's constantly like he's like a naysayer for Galen. Like, and he he like I I, I guess he wants war like or he wants to like uh, he's some kind of warmonger or something. And he wants there to be conflict. But at the same time. Like, you know, once once I, I think I think Zarek kind of suffers from the whole like, y- you know how like when you watch the the Green Lantern movie and then they have the after credit scene where Sinestro gets like the yellow ring and it's like, well, well why? Like, what, what? Yeah, it's like they set up that he was a noble Green Lantern, but they didn't bother to go into how fascistically he he policed. Corrigar, right? And so you you have no context for that unless you've read a comic book, right? And so it's just like, well, why why is he got the yellow? Cause cause he's a bad guy, you know. And it's just like, well, yeah. what? It's like why why does Zarek oppose Galen? Cause cause he's the bad guy, yeah. you know. Like that's uh-huh. that's basically his primary motivation is to be the bad guy. And and it's like, I mean, it's a pretty good sense of self-deception i guess on his behalf right because he's he's he, he certainly has convinced himself that he's doing it for the right and noble reasons but i mean i guess you know that i i could see i i could see your annoyance with it i i think now that like some of the things where as a kid this is what drew me more to the sunbow cartoon than the marvel comics i think now i kind of look back on as a little bit charming even though even though I, I understand and appreciate like that perspective. Yeah. Like, like I said, I, I appreciate like, you know, and, and Budiansky is obviously like, I don't think he's quite run out of steam yet, but he's probably tiring of all this like shit that Hasbro is like foisting on him at this point where it's like, do you think so? Because I think, I mean, my note for this is like this, like the, the opening splash page and even some of the, the later pages, I mean, 
the title splash of issue one reminds me it's almost exactly like the double page spread from transformers number one where all the original autobots are like yo i'm ironhide and they go down the list and introduce themselves and in this it's like sort of slightly remedied right where it's like instead of that it's more like you know it's like trigger happy sitting there going move faster autobots come or feel the sting of scorponox tail and then like scorponox gets to talk and then you know, it's like it's it's like Slug Slinger gets to talk, but then Skull Cruncher names Slug Slinger and and Slug Slinger names Scorpionok and Trigger Happy and you know what I mean? Like they all they all name each other, so it doesn't sound as expository as it should, right? It's like it's like I insert character name here. I'm going to do this instead of it being that. It's going to be hey character name who just previously spoke. I am doing this now, you know. So it's like. I don't know. It's funny. Yeah, like that, that's mean, the thing. That's the thing where I'm like, this is kind of charming, but it's kind of not. But I mean, do you think he's tired of this? Like he, it's just paint by numbers where he's like, okay, they gave me these five guys that they, they all have to be on the page. Like to me, I feel like the person that should be tired of this shit are the artists where they're like, are you for fucking real? Like you want me to draw all this well, shit clearly, on one you know, page? Like, clearly, like, Frank Springer, this was a little, like, you know, maybe uh, overwhelming for Frank Springer, because this series is known for its, like, constant, like, art errors and stuff. So, I mean, like, or draw drawing characters where they're not supposed to be, drawing the wrong character, a lot of uh, drawing their headmaster partner in place of them, like, in this series. Well, like, I mean, that's that's not untrue of, of, of the Sunbow animated thing, too. I mean, that's... Yeah. That 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 could have a lot to do with, like you said, just juggling all these characters. And then it seems like there's a lot of uh, I'm, I'm just going to call them like, you know, what they are. It's like there's a lot of generos in this series. Do you know what I mean? Like where it's like, who is Scorponok blasting to death in this line of this trail of tears for these Autobots on Cybertron? Like it's like he's blasting some rando like and, and, and it's a whole line of randos. I mean. You know, it's like some of them might be Fortress Maximus's team guys, like maybe, but, you know, the way they're colored, the way they're kind of nondescript. And a lot of times, even some of the Autobots and Decepticons that make it to Nebulos are still Generos, like that, 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 that get killed and you don't know who they are, what their name is or anything. And the only ones that, quote unquote, survive are all the toys that are specifically named, right? Yeah. I mean, like, and it doesn't help also, you know, you got Nell Yamtov's colors, like, mm -hmm. you know, coloring people wrong, too. So, I mean, I mean, for the most part, you can still tell what's going on. But, yeah. like, you know, yeah, it, I don't know. There's a lot of uh, confusion. I remember being really confused even reading these issues, like, way back when, too. Like, I'm like, wait, well, but that's I, not, I, like. I think, too, though, I mean, from my perspective, there's. There's less to be confused about if you've never been exposed to these characters before, period. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. to be perfectly honest, issues two through four, and I think I read issue one not too long after that. Basically, what I'm telling you is I've read the miniseries before I've seen the Rebirth. And both of those, you know, the miniseries and Rebirth, are littered with errors. But it's not like I was sitting there with the fucking comic, comparing it to the back of the, the, the 
I don't know, whatever you want to call it, the, the, the fourth season catalog or whatever. You know what I mean? Going, oh, this is totally wrong. I mean, now when I'm older, I can tell like, oh, look, in some scenes it's Fort Max's head and in other scenes it's Cerebros' head instead or whatever. But like some stuff, it's like, how, how would I have known any better? I mean, the main characters, and th this is going to be a double-edged sword for me, but the main characters I knew and knew really well were the characters from Transformers the movie and Transformers season three. And in this case, like, there was, to me, an element of excitement that Blur, Hot Rod, and Cup were actually, like, showing up in the really for reals, like, Marvel comics canon as opposed to, you know, being in, say, Transformers Universe or being in Transformers the movie adaptation or something. But then again, there, there's that part of you that's like, why is Hot Rod, like, super maroon? And wh where's his spoiler in some panels? And why is he just the, the headmaster's breaker? He's just on the communications thing the whole time and not being Hot Rod. You know, like, so so to me, like, there there's it's like a double-edged sword. It's like I'm I was excited to see those characters, but then the characters didn't seem like the ones I knew from the movie, from the Sunbow cartoon. So, you know, there's, there's that aspect of it. And then even in this first issue, like what you're talking about, like, I think it's page, I don't know, page six. Like there's the weird sequence where there's an Autobot who, who the fuck knows who he is. It looks like that Autobot is colored to be hardhead. But then it looks like the model they're using to the Autobot that that character is talking to looks like he's colored to be Fortress Maximus, but the design actually looks like Hardhead. And then the character says the Decepticons are escaping Fortress Maximus. Let's finish them off, which would lead you to believe the person he's talking to is Fortress Maximus. And then that character says there's been enough destruction, but it doesn't look a thing to me like fortress maximus so again is that the fault of the artist is that the fault of where the dialogue goes like is that the fault of the reference material they gave him like i i don't know but i mean yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say there's not a lot of things to be confused about right there's a what do you call cog is even drawn in there in a couple like panels like so you have seen cog before uh, that siege series which where's cog um i think he's in that panel with the not hard head i think uh, or he's transforming in one of those panels but like you you can see his vehicle well he has two vehicle modes cuz he's split up into two vehicles but uh like he's drawn like retreating like at some point and then uh um let me see actually let me pull up the issue and let me see if i can like pinpoint him exactly for you is he in the spread or is he somewhere else okay yeah the what do you call the dude who's saying the decepticons are escaping fortress maximus let's finish them off that's cog colored as hardhead oh okay well, see why? Why would I? Why would yeah, I ever uh -huh. think that's supposed? To and then be no, that's that's hard head in the foreground saying but there's colored, enough, but, but colored, colored is like yeah. yeah. There's so I mean I mean you know, damn it, damn it, Neil Yomtov, why you yep. fucking shit up? Uh huh. But then again, why would Cog be talking to Hardhead? Yeah, uh -huh. you know what I mean. Like, and why, so why the, like why would Hardhead be saying there's been enough destruction? That doesn't sound right. like Hardhead. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. I do like the. I mean, 
I, I do like the idea that Fortress Maximus is exhausted. He's 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 done with war. He doesn't see the point in this prolonged battle anymore, even though all the Autobots are celebrating their victory. I think my 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 and, and, and this is a little odd coming from me because I do I do like Cup and Hot Rod, so I was excited to see them, but they're kind of played to be both of them, which kind of shocks me, right? Because you think of Cup as like this old war horse that he's seen everything and done everything. And like, here's this, to me, this is my favorite line because, because you know, it's like uh, Cup is like, cool your engines, Fort. We just want a big one today. And Hot Rod's like, yeah, we showed those Decepticons who's king of the road. And I love Fortress. We won nothing, Cup. And we showed them nothing, Hot Rod. We are no better today than we were 50,000 Vorns ago. You know, like, and I don't know why, but, like, that's that that's funny to me. I, 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 I can appreciate his frustration, you know, with, with the whole, you know, endeavor or whatever. So, like, I don't know why I could just, I, I, I could just see, like, you know, somebody adapting this and that being, like, a fun line to say or whatever. But... I, I don't know, like like the art to me gets better in those in those panels and the panels where where Fortress Maximus is talking about how he's observed Nebulos and he's kind of he's kind of gesticulating and being like, dude, we all got to go to Nebulos and we can we can remove ourselves from the war and everything like that. And then when all the different Autobots show up to get on his spacecraft, that was another sense of familiarity to me where you know i had seen the technobots in season three before i read this and i i i think this probably was the first time i saw the monster bots in comic book form but i think i had at least owned repugnance by this point i or i don't know it's hard for me to remember like i think i think the the i had bought issues two through four and then i that sort of influenced me to get repugnance and then i ended up getting the other two monster bots and then by then i owned issue one of this so to me it's kind of like you know like this weird familiarity homecoming thing where i'm seeing these characters get on board with fortress maximus and seeing you know the introductions to the technobots and monster bots and it's like it's funny to me because there's a lot of characters like that in here that have a unfair advantage for my my nostalgia or familiarity even before they get on the page if that makes any sense because i'm like i don't know that the technobots do anything really great in this mini series but like i love the technobots because of money is everything you know like it, i i that's kind of like a weird thing to say but that 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 love for the technobots in money is everything like transfers over into seeing them show up in this even though they don't exactly do anything that's super awesome in this miniseries. It always struck me, and I think like the wiki article for this mentions this too, where it's like like repugnance and like afterburner and strafe wanted to go like get away from the war. Like that mm. doesn't make much sense, but like you know, I guess I mean I guess you can stretch it. Like if you want to headcanon it. I always like think, oh, like Repugnance was like in trouble with the law or something. So he was like, I'll go hide out with these goody goodies. <laughs> so. 
I don't know, man. Like, like I, I get, I get what they're saying, right? They're, they're going based on the, the tech specs and, and, and the, the character descriptions and stuff, which is interesting because by this point, Bob Budiansky was still writing all of those, right? Yep. Yeah. He wrote like the first five years of characters, I think. So, so it's not like he was, uh, it's not like he wrote this miniseries and then went back and wrote a bunch of tech specs like he had already written those tech specs but i mean you're you're kind of like in a rock and a hard place right like like you have the basic premise but you have to introduce all these other toys it's not like he only got to use highbrow and brainstorm and chrome dome and hardhead it's like he had to have the technobots and the monster bots show up as well right like i mean i guess there was no choice in the matter yeah but i guess like I don't know, like, a, he, he could have found a better, like, I, again, he's probably under restraints here, but, like, yeah, like, not all the characters, like, even, like, Hardhead, you, you feel like would, you know, necessarily feel the same way as Fortress Maximus would, but I guess he, you know, they kind of say, like, you know, when Fortress Maximus gives his ultimatum, they say, you know, he is their leader, you know, there is no room for, like, dissent or whatever, so he, you know, right, right. but... But yeah, like well, I, I mean, always, I, yeah, yeah. I guess they're just trying to establish like Fortress Maximus <laughs> is well respected. It's like they freaking told like Afterburner, like you know, oh no, no, there's gonna be plenty of fighting like on this planet or something. And Afterburner's like, yeah, like oh, we're gonna sizzle their circuits, like yeah, let's go to Nebula. <laughs> and then like you know they get him on the ship and he's like, what? Like peace? Oh, I wanna go back now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well. Highbrow comes across Gort making out with his girlfriend, Marita. Uh, all I have to say is I'd much rather come to this Nebulos than the Nebulos from the Sunbow cartoon with a bunch of shrivelly, shrivelly California raisin green aliens. And then I, I'd rather I'd rather mac on Marita uh, as as Gort is doing. But of course, I guess Highbrow is trying to communicate and. They accidentally, you know, he, he he steps too close to Gort and Gort falls off this cliff and bonks his head. And that wasn't the intention. But, of course, that causes all this craziness in the capital city, I guess. It's called Karaja. And this is something I was wondering about, though. Like, I, I feel like this is the only city on all of Nebulos because it's like they never it's not like there's like other cities or anything or it's not like they they have like, you know, some kind of. You know, you, you, you feel like they're at like the United Nations of Nebulos whenever they're having these discussions, but yet there's no evidence of any place other than this capital city, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like Springer's art never makes it look as big as it like should look. Like it always looks like it's just like a like fortress or a castle. Yeah, it's like, 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 it's like a tiny. Or, it's, yeah. like, it's like uh, what is it like uh, Game of Thrones or something? You know, it's like it's yeah, like it's all like of King's Nebulos. Landing or is it is that King's Landing or something? And you're like, well, there's got to be more than just 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 King's Landing, right? <laughs> like you know, but... yeah. Well, we'll talk, like there's some weird stuff, but about that, like that. But I guess we'll talk about that, and when we talk about the second issue, this first issue introduces Zarek and Krunk and Galen and Duros, and uh, I don't know. For for me, like this, this may come up later again too. But I, I just want to plant this idea in people's heads. Like for some reason, like Galen reminds me of Norrin Rad, and you know, Nebulos kind of reminds me of Zenlaw a little bit. Like I know, I know you say they're just humans, but like the the kind of their speech and their dress and the whole kind of I don't know, they 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 seem to be 
e- e- even though, like you said, some of these guys are kind of stupid, like Circuit Breaker, th- there's something about them where they all seem to be philosophy majors, you know, like the way they speak <laughs> and talk and everything. Like, I, I don't know. And and it just made me feel like, like the Silver Surfer a lot, so... Yeah, I can see that. I, th- I see, like, a little bit of Kirby influence in all their, like, clothing. Like, yeah. I think the wiki jokes about this, too, but I, I see a lot of, like, He-Man, like, sort of, like, <laughs> like similarity in this, okay. too. Like, I, I mean, I feel like Galen is almost like a palette-swapped, like, Prince Adam. Like, I see. I see. He's yeah. a dark-haired Prince Adam or something yeah. like that. Okay. He's got okay. the bowl haircut and whatever, yeah, so, but... And then, you know, but yeah, like this, this, this uh, nebulous with its like scantily clad babes walking around. Yeah, right, I'd much right. rather visit this one. Yeah. Well, that's why that's kind of why I was thinking of Zen Law, too, because like I every time I see one of these these girls, especially uh, Lyra or or uh, Marita, it makes me think of, you know, Shalabal or whatever, you know. So should like Galen be saying like my my beloved Lyra, like, you know, my, well, yeah, my, my beloved. Dude, they they call each other beloved at some That's point in this. Uh-huh. So I mean, it's not like it's not like it's foreign to Nebulan tongue, right? Like they they they're they're doing the same thing, you know. The 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 other thing I thought was was weird is, and I know I'm kind of jumping around, but I mean, like Zarek kind of sets up Krunk to mess with Blur as an envoy and all this other stuff, but then it it, it essentially leads to Galen unleashing all these weapons on the Autobots, and then. This I thought was like the oddest scene to me, and it it basically it's like a bunch of Autobots are getting shot in the back, and this is this is probably the most extreme example of the the circuit breaker syndrome you're discussing in the book. You know, there's a full splash of the Autobots getting mowed down, and 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 then Cup's like, well, I ain't gonna run away, and and basically Fortress Maximus wrestles with Cup, and he's like, no, you'll put away your gun, no more, no more. And I, I was just kind of like, something about that, like, always, always made me feel like that sequence was so odd. You know, a leader wrestling with one of his soldiers, maybe because I thought of Cup as the old timer who had done and seen everything, like, that maybe he wouldn't be the one to lose his lunch in that situation. Like, maybe it could have been another character, or maybe just because, he, they, you know, even in the Marvel age, they describe it as, as, tragic right and it's like there's all these misunderstandings and and secret sabotage and all this stuff it's just like it it, it, everything about it is you know these these guys really just wanted to go away from the war they were in and 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 come somewhere and live in peace but there's no peace to be found right and that's it's like you know it's like it's unfortunate just like a friend fighting a friend, you know, presumably Cup and, and it, Fortress Maximus is unfortunate, you know? It's very, like, I always found it very frustrating, too, just mm-hmm. because, like, just because Zarek is such a butthead, like, I mean, he's just, he just wants to make trouble, like, so it's yes. just like, you know, and you, you get the, you know, you get on very early on that Galen is a very reasonable person who, you know, and he wants to, you know, get along with people, but... He, he also has to, like, kowtow to, like, the, you know, the demands of the people. So, and you know, when Zarek makes it look like the, the robots are hostile, he has to be, okay, well... Yeah, we'll, he has no choice. If, if they, yeah, if they've attacked us, we, we have no choice but to respond in kind, you know? And then, I mean, basically it ends with this, you know, the King's Landing sequence where <laughs> Galen and Zarek and all the guys got the, the guns surrounding the city and the Autobots roll up and... Fortress Maximus gets the bright idea to remove his head, 
And then even that is not good enough for them. So then the other four Autobots, for purposes of plot, remove their heads. And Galen sort of tells everybody to lower their weapons. And it's, you know, of course, it's 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 this thing of like, you know, Galen's like, you know, trying to establish his authority. But you see Zarek kind of sneering in the background or whatever and that's kind of where that first issue ends with the you know i mean uh, you know this kind of takes me back to a time where well at least we're getting what was promised on the cover you know what i mean like like we were promised that fortress maximus was going to rip his fucking head off and and by the end of it fortress maximus ripped his fucking head off it's not like there's any kind of bait and switch with this where it's like haha fooled you actually what happened was you know it was it was a fake head, you know, like, yeah, I, I love that last panel. Like, and you see my avatar, like the expression Zarek mm-hmm. is like, he's like, Meh. <laughs> like, Meh. like, he's so unhappy that like, he, he's like, well, because the line of dialogue is like, there will be no war today. And it's almost as if he's like sneering. We'll see about that because I'm a butthead. Yeah, because yeah, I'm a butthead or <laughs> a butt chin. Maybe he's got a big right, chin. Right. He does. He does have a big chin in that panel. What are you looking at, butthead? You were the idiot who opened the plasma energy chamber, Galvatron. So what's it to you, butthead? Who will rule the galaxy? Since you're new here, uh, I'm going to cut you a break. Today. So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? We shall see, Galvatron. We shall see. All right, let's go on to issue... Number two, at last, the headmasters are born. But will this incredible melding of human and robot be enough to avert the overwhelming force of Decepticons about to launch their greatest assault? I I, I always kind of like this cover, too, I think, just because I own Scorponok. So I, I, I thought it was kind of neat. But I don't know what you think about the cover. Yeah, this is like this was the only issue I had for a long time. Okay. So like I always, you know, I obviously had a fondness for it, and like the yeah, the cover is really eye catching. Like I, I like you know they really showcase like Scorpionox like scale. Like I guess so. Like I think it looks pretty impressive. So in this issue, there's kind of a a riot, a protest, a riot, a protest. We don't know the difference anymore these days, but there's some kind of riot slash protest going on in Nebulos. We're introduced to a lot more of the Nebulans that will later become headmasters and target masters like Spasma, Grax, Vorath. And then we're also introduced to the, as I have compared her to, I mean, it's interesting because the whole, this is, this is Galen's girl, Lyra, who is the daughter of, of, Lord Zarek. That relationship is a bit more Rachel Ghoul, Batman, Talia than it is anything to do with Silver Surfer, I think. But I, I still feel like, you know, like we were talking about the whole, you know, beloved, the the kind of philosopher speak, like that kind of thing that, that made me just, you know, and, and the fact that this is, you know, quote unquote, an alien world, but everybody kind of, you know, everybody kind of looks human. You know, like they, they don't look like they're freakish or they don't look like California raisins or California green raisins or whatever the guys from the Sunbow cartoon look like. Right. And then, you you, you know, you do have that. I, I guess I can see the He-Man thing now. You kind of have Galen doing these kind of, you, you know, for for a leader. Right. Like uh, it, it, he, he does have the very kind of, you know, Captain Kirk, Kirk Fu. You know, he leaps over this precipice and jumps down into the middle of the riot and starts 
you know, trying to break up the fight and gets punched. And all I could think of when that one guy on, on that second panel, there's this guy who says, look who's talking, the number one robot lover himself. And he punches Galen in the in the chin or whatever. Like, all I could think of when I was reading that was, dude, that guy should team up with Dr. Morgan from The Return of Optimus Prime, and they can both go, lousy robot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like maybe yeah. maybe Aaron Kincaid can voice this guy. Like, look who's talking, the number one robot lover. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I definitely see your, like, Talia al Ghul, like, yeah, like comparison. I mean, like, right? like, and I, yeah, but I mean, yeah, like, she's, I mean, at first she seems like she, you know, she's on Galen's side, but, like, her father's buttheadedness, like, eventually infects her, too. So, <laughs> I, I was going to say influence, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, he plants this, I, he plants... He plants this idea in her head that he that Galen just wants power and he wants the power of the Autobots for himself. And at first she she spurns her father and, and says, oh, that's ridiculous. He doesn't he doesn't want power. But basically when. You know, basically at the end of this, the, these guys are forced to binary bond to the Autobots. And when she sees that, then then she decides, oh, then my father was right. Like you're you know, basically it, it, that that brings that whole like I mean, that's you, we talk, complain about it all the time. Like that's Parker luck. Like Galen, uh, you know, jumping to the end of this, Galen saved the city. He didn't have to sacrifice the Autobots. He didn't have to sacrifice his people. He 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 stops the Decepticons from from raping and pillaging. Basically, like he's done the right thing. He's basically saved the entire city, but it's at the cost of the woman he loves. Like if that's not, you know, doing the right thing at the cost of your personal happiness. Like if that's not Parker Luck, you know what I mean? Like it's not just like Galen's like whoop slipped on a banana peel. Oh, the old Parker Luck. Like that's not what it is, but. But in this case, I think I think that's that is, you know, something that makes that character, at least in the Marvel sense, like it's it's to me, it's a very Marvel written character and makes him kind of relatable like that. He he he, he sh you, you should be celebrating, but he can't because personally he's heartbroken. Right. Yeah. I don't know some things like I feel in this like issue like I said like last issue about like the city and stuff that don't make sense like uh, I, I don't know like the timeline is all kind of screwy in this issue it's like Scorponok and his Decepticons show up you know they say okay give us the Autobots or we're gonna tear apart your city and then like they do so but it doesn't look the the defenses of the city don't look that great and like there's enough time for, you know, Galen and, you know, Arcana to do the whole headmasters thing, like have all like this hours long surgery or whatever, and like become headmasters and the time it takes for the Decepticons to actually like finish like their siege of the outer well, walls it's, of the it's, city. It's, 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 it's kind of funny though. Cause if you look, if you look at the narration, it, 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 it's, it's almost the opposite of, of uh, planet Namek time. Like, it, it, you're not on planet Namek time, you're on planet Nebulos time. And planet Namek time, it's just kind of like five minutes, takes place over like, you know, a billion episodes, whereas 
like what is this like three or four panels take place over like a few seconds you know like yeah but it's like it's like it's like uh the nebulans fire back with everything they can muster but but soon soon <laughs> it's just like soon yeah there's like there's like and then you know it's like how <laughs> like, how yeah how like how like long were like... scorpionok and his decepticons like dicking around out there because i mean it doesn't look like they 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 would take that long to like well it's it's I, I think the notion is just as they're about to breach the walls galen and everybody are now headmasters and they 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 come through the front front you know uh gates or whatever it is but like i i get what you're saying it's like there's 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 about like three or four narration captions that are like soon soon but soon soon you know and it's just like all right like we get it we get it even even though even though it's taking me five minutes to read it's like it's like three seconds or whatever i was gonna make a crack about how since I started with issue number two off the spinner rack of this, that I totally needed Galen and Fort Max to recap what happened in issue one. So way to go, guys. Way to go. I good totally job. needed that. Good job. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Way, way to go, guys. Good, good, good editing on that one. Uh, th- you know, it's, it's cool that they came back to Gort. Gort's recovered and he speaks up for all the Autobots at their little, I don't know, planetary UN meeting. The the uh, and again, I guess Hot Rod's off being breaker from G.I. Joe, but Zarek orders Vorath to secretly steal that communication frequency. That's how the Decepticons come into the picture, because, you know, Zarek sends out an S.O.S. to the Decepticons, which, again, like you're saying, is kind of buttheaded, right? Like like it's like you don't want robots on Nebulos. So you call more robots like 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 uh what what part of that makes sense? I don't know. But and and if you don't trust these robots, why are the other robots going to like, in other words, if you're Circuit Breaker and you hate all robots, uh, it's like I hate to say it, but even Circuit Breaker is kind of more consistent, right? Because she hates robots, but she hates them all. Right. So like at least Circuit Breaker wouldn't call up like the bad robots to beat up the good robots because that's even worse. Right. Because I'm I'm always like the crying Circuit Breaker for, you know, fragging the good robots, which is part of the tragedy. Right. But like. Imagine like Circuit Breaker calls up like Megatron to help her frag Optimus Prime. Like that's kind of what's going on here, and it it's kind of like frustrating. Like as a as a reader, right? Not not that it's yeah. a bad story. It's just you're like, God damn it, Galen's the good guy, you know, like that, I, that kind of thing. And as for like funny art errors in this uh, issue, do you notice like <laughs> Cyclonus is drawn as like Nightstick? for like pr- practically the entire issue and like they 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 fix that in the uk but the, the, the guy they 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 call cyclonus in the uk version of this issue they like made up a name for him like i think like krunix or something so like they they're like well that's clearly oh. not cyclonus oh. we've been using cyclonus and he doesn't look anything like that like so I thought that was supposed to be like hunger, like like at least the the way the design looked to me. Like transform- I, I guess it, I, if I remember correctly, I'm not looking at the wiki errors, but I think it's just a, it's Nightstick, like is his. Oh, character I see. Model. They just yeah, they just so. drew the character model for Nightstick. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, they they cha- in the UK printing of this issue, they tra- changed that to like an original character because they were like, well, that's not right. Like so. And then, yeah, Frank Springer keeps drawing Fortress Maximus's head as Cerebros's head in several panels, too. Yeah, yeah that happens quite frequently. 
I mean, I, I'm sure those model, those character model sheets aren't exactly the clearest, especially if like Fort Max's reference material includes like Cerebros and like Galen's. Like, well, I mean, I mean, maybe body. maybe that's something that wasn't. I mean, think about it. Like if you're told like, OK, there are these human guys that turn into the heads of robots, maybe somewhere along the way it wasn't communicated that like the human turns into the head of Cerebros and Cerebros turns into the head. Like, so there's a yeah. human, a robot, and then another robot. You know what I mean? Like maybe yeah. that was never communicated or it, it seems like at least in this mini series, that aspect of Fortress Maximus is completely eliminated. So yeah. maybe they would have been better off not giving him any models for Cerebros. You know what I mean? So there's no, yeah, you know, if you're if you're just gonna totally eliminate it, right? They don't like like, like Fortress Maximus is pretty standard size, like in this mm -hmm. like series and Marvel in general. But there is an issue of Marvel, like where they, it opens up with them like enlarging Fortress Maximus to make him a little bigger, and like that that's when they introduce like properly introduce like Cerebros, where they say like, oh, we need like we're making him bigger, so we, there has to be like an intermediate form for him to you know mm -hmm. get a head, get a head. But yeah, like at this issue, you, like I said, I think about the, the like, I, I know you were kind of complaining about how quickly you were, or or maybe like how long do the Autobots have to actually develop this technology? But I mean, what do you think of the to me? I thought, OK, the Headmaster technology is born out of some kind of urgent necessity, like the Decepticons are about to breach the gate, like. Well, these remote control things, these little Atari joysticks aren't controlling them very well. Let's binary bond and they do it really quick. And then that's that's how headmaster technology is born. Whereas I kind of feel like in the I mean, there there was some sense of urgency in the, the Sunbow rebirth episodes, but I feel like that was more born out of like, oh, Daniel's hurt. Like we got to we got to do this from my boy, you know, like that. Yeah. That seemed like and you've got more like, based and, out of, and, uh, out of injury than urgency, I guess. And in the rebirth, you've got brainstorm already like postulating about like, Hey, how would we merge? Like humans? How, how would, how would we yeah. do this? How so would he's we been, go about this? He's, yeah, so. he's been thinking about it for a long time. Whereas Arcana just kind of comes in at the fifth hour and is like, Hey, <laughs> gotta, let's all, let's all get together. It's like friggin', like, I feel like, you know, let's go talk to Arcana and Arcana's like friggin' like doc brown or something like <laughs> i got an idea for you gaily like you know we transform into the robot's heads yeah so i mean this is the issue where we we meet arcana and stylor who who does seem to it's like oh do we want him to join us he's a bit of a dandy or whatever the line is or some shit but they're like hey as long as he can he can put up a fight that's all we care about you know? I, I always liked that i always laughed at that panel where he's like you know count stylor and, and he's like you know he's got his like flamboyant like you know cape and like uh open chested shirt and he's like all in like like he's like prince or something he's like yeah. colored like purple and whatever so like i always thought that was funny but can we i mean because this is a common topic of discussion when it comes to headmasters whether it's the the Sunbow cartoon or, or this Marvel comics miniseries. Do you feel like this explains why headmasters are more powerful than regular transformers? Well, to you, or do you feel it's just as vague as the, um, it's, I, it's kind of almost as vague. I feel like it's like, I guess like, 
it comes across here, like you said, as more of a necessity, like that, like here's like for like here's the way we can like trust each other. Like we'll give you control like of our bodies and we'll provide like, you know, tactical information via like radio link like what to you. Like and I'm like, I guess so. Like, but wouldn't I feel like wouldn't that make it more awkward, not like more like powerful? Like I I don't know. Like I, I feel like it's it's a it's almost would be a handicap, not an advantage, but mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I get, I get. There's that, you know, techno babble line that Arcana has about the radio-controlled fighting skills, but then what they observe and strategize, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, they never, yeah. Well, they never make it entirely clear that the headmasters are not are basically like the Nebulans wearing like transformer like like disguises like costumes almost like the original Mm -hmm. heads of those transformers are still existing but they just are like radio linked to the bodies and like they never really like i mean we we talked about like transformer 75 like i mean scorponok still has some of his like scorponok personality but he's mostly zarek basically yeah with yeah. a like sort of scorponok like shell program like over him or something like and that's that's ultimately what most of them sort of become, right? Yeah, uh-huh. And like I remember like Regeneration One, like Furman actually did something where he was like, Oh, you know, that's how he resurrected like Hardhead, Brainstorm, and Highbrow after they died in like seventy five. He's like, Oh, well, their original heads are still on Nebulos. So like we can, you know, they they came back that way. Like mm. so I, I don't know. It, it's all very vague to me, I guess. Yeah. Like I like I can see like I can see those, why those are it's... some if they left those heads on Nebulos, those are some fucking radio signals. If yeah, was, radioing that's like them another all the thing. Like how Nebulos does that work? Earth. Yeah, like exactly. Like how does how exactly does that work? Like I think someone said I, I'm pretty sure I read it on the wiki or I've heard someone say it, but there's like some UK like text story around this time about like, you know, on Nebulos with the headmasters that says like Fortress Maximus keeps his original head in some storage compartment on his body. Hmm. And that's like how, like, that's, I guess that's the same for everyone or whatever, but like, you know, I don't know. Like, I, like I said, again, it's, it's all very vague and I, I, they don't do a super good like clearly it is an advantage and like the art and the fu- the way the fight goes demonstrates that but they don't really explain why it's an advantage like he says like oh we have like double the brain power maybe but i i guess but like i don't know they 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 always often try to make it a numbers thing like whether they're 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 transforming the vehicle modes and then there's you know quote unquote you know four or five additional robots or you know, then then there's this, I don't know, the, the, to me, the most definitive example of something being better. I don't know how or why it got to be better, but like Chrome Dome basically dodges Scorponok's Electro Sting. And and given that we don't know too much about Scorponok at this point, but we've seen him mow down a number of people with this Electro Sting, you know, the little autobot trail of tears right in the first issue like he basically says no one's ever dodged it before so like that's supposed to be like oh well clearly if he wasn't a headmaster he couldn't have done that before and then my only other problem 
well, I don't know, my only, but what what I find fascinating about that is the same problem. And I'm, I'm always telling Justin about this and he'll, he'll understand this more than you probably will. But it's like, it's what I call that sanctuary problem because they had the guy in that TV show sanctuary who was apparently this like, you know, edetic detective guy and could just scan a room and he could like pick out all these things. And he was like, it basically, he was like a human being, but somehow he had like Batman Arkham vision, right. In the first episode where he could just, you know, look at a room and go, Oh, look, somebody, you know, pooped on that corner. And that means the poop flew from here to there and they slipped on it. And then there was a banana peel. And then, you know, ta-da! I I've tracked them to, you know, Barbados or whatever, you know, like it was like all super, you know, analytical and stuff like that. And they made great lengths to show that in the pilot episode, just like they go to great lengths to show, like, look, Crumdom's a headmaster. He can even dodge Scorponok's electro sting. But then, like, if you read probably, like, you know, a bunch of issues after this, it's like, I'm sure as shit Crumdome doesn't dodge any other blasts. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like somewhere along the way, these guys just become regular old Autobots. You know what I mean? Like, like that, that, that additional power or 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 upgrade or whatever you want to call it right is, is somehow becomes diminished you know the the longer you follow those characters because the the people you know writers or whoever can't be bothered to you know they're they're more concerned about like detective guy can't solve every single problem on sanctuary so by the second episode moving forward like that adeptic memory power thing that he had like it it basically disappears from the show because it, it destroys any conflict that they had come up with for the next like 12 episodes you know like and it's like that that's one of those things where i kind of wonder like well if you set that up then then you should go to lengths to you know it's like it's like well maybe when scorponok becomes a headmaster his electro sting is you know, doubly fast, so then it negates, you know, Chromedome's, like, super dodge power. You know what I mean? Like, just something like that, but that never never really gets established, I guess. Vague is the word. The Transformers will return after these messages. We were not supposed to leave. Four million years ago, two armies were stranded on a world not their own. Waking in the modern day, their ages-old alien conflict revives on the planet Earth. Scouring this new world for resources and safeguarding the native life from their war, their one goal remains. We have to go back. The stories of these Autobots, Decepticons, and humans were published in the United Kingdom in a weekly comic book and broadcast as an animated series. And now there will be a podcast exploring these chronicles in their entirety. We have to go back to Cybertron. Return to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast, coming October 31st. We now return to the Transformers. Issue 3. The Decepticons come to the realization that the only way to defeat the Autobots is to become headmasters themselves. Can the Autobots overcome this deadly threat? And then, of course, we've got a uh, cover with uh, Lyra 
stuck in the floaty bubble that's going to float into the upper atmosphere forever. The little blurb says, the love that kills. I kind of like this cover, too. I think it looks pretty cool. Yeah, this is a good cover. I mean, you kind of don't know why the the Autobots are shooting at humans until you read the interior of the story. But again, it doesn't this cover, lie to you. This yeah. cover does not lie to you. Like it's 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 this is this actually happens. But you know maybe you know what you think the reason is for them firing on the bubbles is not what it actually turns out to be. But but you know that's that's neither. Can we talk there. about can we talk about the bubble plan? Because like I don't get it. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> like Scorponok's whole plan to get rid of like all the nebulons on the planet is to like put them all in this like bubble machine uh-huh. and they'll float off all into space. Yeah. But I'm like, okay. why not just like kill them and throw them in a mass grave, dude? Like I I don't get it. Like and this is and he comes they, up with this they, plan because they oh, spent all this time testing the bubble on Monzo, dude. What are you yeah, trying to do? Right? And he came up with this plan before he was bonded to Zarek, so it's not like he can, like, you know, you can make the excuse that, oh, well, Zarek didn't want his people to be massacred, so, like, but, I mean, I don't know. Like, like that never made sense to me. It was like, wait, uh, uh, let me, like, what? what's your plan here? Like, put everyone in bubbles? Like, some crazy, like, ass, like, I don't know, like. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I suppose I get, I get your problem with it. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, golden agey or something. You know, it's like it's not, you know, it's, 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 it's comic booky, whatever you want to call it. But, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, to, to me, it's like, okay, it made for a cool cover. They they had this idea about sending everybody into the upper atmosphere. The 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 thing that I question about it is it's kind of like when 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 it actually is enacted, they are bonded to Zarek, and like I th- there's that weird part where like I I think it's supposed to be part of the tragedy I suppose right, but he's got that moment where he realizes his daughter is also one of these political observers on that shuttle and and there's a point for him where he you know he could have stopped at that point when he realizes that but he continues to go through with the transformation and and bond with scorpionok and like it's funny because like i i feel like the answer to your question is like the this answer scorpionok gives it's like What's with the bubbles? Because it serves the purpose of Scorponok, fool. Like that's, that's basically. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's, like... that's your explanation. Because even when he sees his daughter, like he's like, I don't care about the trivialities. Like, I mean, to him, I, I, I assume his plan is to encase every single nebulon in the bubble and just have them float away. So it's like. To, to them, I mean, what, like, to Decepticons, right? They're like bugs, right? Like, imagine if you had, like, a bunch of bubbles that could just take, like, every single, like, you know, I don't know, cockroach or ant or spider or critter or whatever that's in your house. And I guess what you're saying is, dude, why don't you just spray some disinfectant and kill them? And, 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 and maybe I'm just saying, like, well, dude, wouldn't it be cool if you had a bubble and you could just send them all outside your house? And then and then that would be fine. I mean, I suppose my thinking is it's actually a humane way to get rid of bugs. Right. I could just bubble them and then send them outside into the wilderness and not kill the spider like Spider-Man in 
Craven's last hunt, right? I could just not flick the spider. But Scorponok's plan seems to be to send them into the upper atmosphere where they couldn't breathe and they asphyxiate and turn into, like, frozenness and explode, right? Like, that would seem to be his his master plan, that they go up high enough into the atmosphere that they all die, right? So it's like... I assume, yeah. So it's like it's like a really convoluted form of extermination is what you're getting at. Yeah. Like instead of and, instead no, of just having funny, the bug bug spray, they they actually like it'd be like if we took every bug on the planet and like sent it into the sun, and you're like, dude, that's a and, lot of manpower the, to the, get. What's bugs, also right? funny is like the bubble machine doesn't make the people float; they have to manually apply that anti gravity gun to make them float. So it's like not only do they have like this is this is a two step plan. It's like put them all in, <laughs> put them all in bubbles, and, and then, then, and then you know they gotta shoot them, them with the anti gravity gun. If so. if they're in that bubble, do they have oxygen in the bubble? Couldn't they just keep them in the bubble until they run out of oxygen and die? Yeah, I mean, I, why, I do they, why, why, why do they have to zap them with the anti-gravity gun? I, I, I don't know. Because it serves the purpose of Scorponok. Like, don't question it. Fool. <laughs> Fool. I like the splash page. I got a kick out of it again, knowing season three characters, like seeing the Terracons in their beast modes. I don't know that the battle between, even even though I have that transferred nostalgia, I don't know that the battle between Abominus and Computron was like all that in a bag of chips. My favorite part in this is Scorponok's line to Zarek because Zarek wants to binary bond. You know, he's like, let's let's binary bond. Like, let's take care of Galen and it's it's going to work out for us. Like, we're going to. We're gonna totally own Galen. Like you're gonna own Fortress Maximus. Like this is this is totally gonna work out for us. And he's like, "Behold, Zarek! Behold the savage strength of Scorponok. Yes, perhaps I will share my power with you. It is in my best interest. But beware, when possessed of such power, all other concerns fade. Compassion, mercy, perhaps even daughters. Because he's talking about." Like he's basically like I I I I'm doing I'm working with you. Like what 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 part of like is, is he the ultimate butthead because he believes his own lies? Like is that why you think he's a, like because it's like he says only by working together can this happen and you can destroy the Autobots in the bargain. And Scorbunok says, is that truly what you truly want, Flashling? And he says, most of all, I want Nebulos to be safe for my daughter Lyra. And for this thing you call daughter, you ask for a share of my power. But I love how he's like, you know, you bond with me, like, your daughter may no longer be a concern, you know? Like, so I, I don't know. I thought that was cool, but... Yeah, it's, it's definitely a cool line, but it is kind of like, it's it does, it's still think, I still think Zarek's kind of a butthead, because, like... Yeah, that's you know, fine. That's fine. It's like, you know, I, maybe... Maybe he thinks that, like, you know, this is his only way out of this situation is it makes a deal with, like, you know, Scorponok. But, but I mean, like, but I mean, Scorponok seems pretty savvy, though, to him being a butthead. Like, yeah. like his line about is that what you truly want, Fleshling? Like, it's almost like he knows. You know what I mean? Like, like, because he says he, he's calling them brave words, you know, and, and things like like. So he, I, I don't think I. I mean, I don't think he believes half of what's coming out of Zarek's mouth. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, it's like, maybe maybe I will share my power with you, butthead, but you're still a butthead. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> Just get in the car, butthead. 
Or you call it butthead, butthead. <laughs> Maybe I will be the beavis to your butthead. Yeah. <laughs> we shall see. You talk about errors. I think this is my favorite one, is the dialogue for Gort and Stylor. They're, they're on model. Like, Stylor looks like Stylor and Gort looks like Gort, but their dialogue balloons should be swapped because these Politico observers, whatever, they, they walk in and they're like, we want to observe you guys. Like, we want to have checks and balances on these headmasters of yours. I think it's like Stylor says, I think she wants to observe what we're doing, Stylor, not you. And then Gort says, her loss, Gort, where it should be. The, the balloon, the, the first balloon should be pointing towards Gort. And the second balloon should be pointing towards Styler, but they're they're mixed or they're swapped. So. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, and then this lady, Pier Zoriza, like, yeah, she's definitely the the circuit breaker of this storyline. Like this, if if anybody's a butthead, it's all these senators or whatever they are. They're coming in here to, I don't know, micromanage the headmasters, I guess, or whatever. Like, I don't I don't know what what they're trying to do. It's funny because Galen's all excited to see Lyra and then he realizes she's just there representing her father, like as a as a council person or whatever. So and <laughs> yeah. then she has that she has that line where I was like, damn, because she says, Our love is a thing of the past, Galen. And I'm like, ouch. Yeah. Like and she's even got the hand up and she looks like fucking what's his face in the meme. Like she's even got her hand up like, no, no, no. No, no, no. You know, and I'm just like, yeah. God damn. That that's things. Yeah, that yeah Galen's like, damn girl, you looking fine. Like, and she's like, no, no, no play, no play. Like, no, no play, no play, homeboy, no play. I was like, I was like, dude, like that's that that hurts me even now. <laughs> like, <and> I, <laughs> yeah. I'm not even Galen, and 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 I'm um I I feel the heartbreak just but it's just like from the it, uh, yeah, like the the, the butt headedness is is really high. Like in this battle, like I'm like <laughs> they're like look at look at those horrible like Galen and his Autobots like fighting for their lives. Like like oh those horrible warmongers. Like, I don't I don't understand like like I can't even comprehend how they. I mean, they try to explain with Lyra that that she was zonked by mind wipe and that that's what muddles her perception of the battle, like why she doesn't realize that her father nearly killed her and and that, you know, basically all she remembers is the Autobots shooting at them. But they were shooting at them in the bubble so that they didn't go into the atmosphere to like be asphyxiated and die forever, <laughs> right? But but she didn't she didn't realize that. But I'm kind of like, did did Mind Wipe manipulate everybody? Because it seems like she he just mind wiped Lyra, and then everybody starts listening to Lyra as like the head butthead yeah. or whatever, and they go into the building to get <laughs> to get bubbled. You know, it's so like I'm at the like, end, it's like at the end, it's like Zarek's like like Lyra, my daughter. Like, what do you remember? And she's like. I don't know. I just remember some stupid thing about bubbles, like some stupid bubble plan. Like, what the fuck was the deal with that? Like, Sarek's like, rrr, rrr, rrr. like I, I, yeah, I don't the, know. The, like, the I, ultimate, I, the ultimate in butthead. Uh, but my friends and I were able to uh, rescue all of you. You're safe now. It's like, you fucking butthead. You fucking butthead. 
the, the this is and here I'll I'll read it now since it's it's apropos. This was my this was my note. The stupid political observers are basically like low rent circuit breakers. They just don't get it. Like they just don't. And and that's the thing. Like Lyra, I guess you can excuse right because mind wipes mind wiped her right. So so she's been manipulated mentally right. But like, what about all these other fucking buttheads? Like they didn't get mind wiped. Like they should know what's going on. I don't. I don't even understand. Like, so the Autobots are shooting. They release them, right, from their prison. But what they 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 thought what that the bubbles were supposed to protect them. Like, what I don't. Yeah, the rest of these guys are super buttheads. Like, I don't even understand what what they were thinking. They're and super buttheads. It, it it see and you know what we learned from this that that the super buttheads are tragic because super buttheads cause tragedy. Like this is this is what that that tells us. So we've got we've got one more issue to go. Uh, issue four. And I, I hope I don't sound like I'm coming down on this too hard because I do have a lot of nostalgia and and uh, uh, I I know you don't as much except for issue two. But like I do have a lot of nostalgia for this whole series, so I do find uh, you know some of it. I'm not as down on the bubble plan, you know. Like I I find some of it kind of silver agey charming or whatever. <laughs> Issue four, the wild wrap-up to this four-issue limited series. Lyra fears the man she loves is a self-promoting warmonger. Will she learn the truth about him? And more importantly, will she learn it in time? The fierce final issue, as it says on issue number four. Of course, I'm I'm super excited and happy that Hot Rod gets featured on a cover. And, of course, it says, enter the Target Masters. For some reason, Cup is orange. And Cutthroat is yellow. And what is that? Snapper is green. But Maroon is close enough for Hot Rod. So, yeah. I mean, I I think it's a pretty cool cover. I just think some of the Yeah, I wish it was more, like, yeah, colored correctly, maybe. But I think... This title splash, since as I explained, I read issues two through four before I read issue one. So I think this title splash is probably what got me to pick Repugnus when I went to the Toys R Us the one day and got a monster bot for the first time. Because the title splash features Repugnus, and I feel like this may have. He definitely looks, looks, yeah, the coolest, like yeah. most distinct in that, like splash, yeah. I think. So, so like, I think that influenced my, my, my purchasing pick or, you know, my ask that day where I was like, because, because what I remember about that was I, I was desperate to get Grimlock and Grimlock was discontinued. So I think I've told the story before, but like the, the little stock girl, like, you know, oh, we checked, but I'm really sorry. We don't, we don't have any of those Dinobots anymore. And then, and then it was like, well, but, but we have these and they're like monster bots. And I was like fuck and i was like okay and then i was like i think i kind of remembered repugnus from this miniseries so i got repugnus i'm like little eight-year-old me was like well fuck no i didn't say that but, <laughs> well, yeah. fuck. well fuck but Give you know me some dinobots that... you butthead or i'll put you in a bubble <laughs> i'll put you in a bubble i'll you put you sexy... in a bubble and my dad will shoot at you with his anti-gravity <laughs> You sexy toy cleric, I will put you in a bubble and I will float you to the upper atmosphere. You know, I, I don't know. Zara continues to be a butthead. 
there's some more recap of, of what happened in the previous issues. And then we're pretty much getting introduced to who will become the target masters. This is interesting. Like, I mean, basically because they're considered criminals by the current government, they say they use code names. So I guess the Nebulans aren't, their Christian Nebulan names are not point blank peacemaker sparks, pinpointer recoil, haywire and spoil sport, you know? So that I thought was interesting. They're all GI Joes with code. Names. Uh, yeah. Hot rods target master is supposed to be named firebolt, but I guess sparks is a like pre-production name that like uh, slipped through. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Since, this is the correct version of Cyclonus. And then we also see Scourge. Again, it's kind of twofold for me. But, I mean, I was excited to see characters I recognized from the movie in Season 3. Like, I was excited to see Cyclonus and Scourge in the, the Marvel, I guess, continuity for the first time. But then again, you kind of feel like, you know, given, like, say, for example, what they're like in in Target 2006, what they're like in the UK comics. And I don't even think I had read those by this point, but I think even from, from the Sunbow cartoons in the movie, I had a impression of how powerful I thought the, you know, quote unquote spawn of Unicron or, you know, transformed by Unicron, you know, Decepticons were. So to see them kind of just be like, again, just some generic, Decepticons that happened to work for Scorponok, I guess that was a little, you know, like I said, it's a two-edged sword. Like, there, it was me being happy that they were being introduced, but then disappointed that not a whole hell of a lot was going to be done with them. Yeah, it's it's weird to think of. Like, I mean, the UK comics retcons it that, that these are, like, the future Cyclonus and Scourge, but they just, were, like, just, flung into the past. in and, time. Yeah, but... But that, yeah, it seems like back then, like Budiansky just intended, well, I might as well just make them generic, like Decepticons, kind of. So, well, I mean, but even if, if it's like, I, I don't know which is worse, like the fact that they were just generic to start out with and and not significant and, and or important or that they were the significant and important characters from the movie. But then they got flung back in time and then just decided to like lay low for like 20 years or something you know what i mean like that, that they're not trying to rock the boat for 20 years so they don't yeah they don't speak up they just well cyclonus yeah. just sits there with their face for 20 years or whatever yeah but, well cyclonus and scourge were a lot less like ambitious i guess or a lot less yeah, intelligent i, I, to be I, sure, I know what i know what you're saying not. like they were they were kind of thuggish right like but but even that, like, e even if they were, like, the thuggish UK versions, like, then don't you think that would get them out of hand? Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like they're so, you know, silent and and kind of, I don't know, just kind of treading the, you know, walk, walk in the line or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's doing the best he can at this point. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I was going to say, a moment I do like in this issue and, like, you know, they're few and far between, but it's like that Scorponok moment you mentioned from, like, issue, like, two. Like, a, a, a real moment of, like, pathos and, like, you know, like, like a, a legitimately, a legitimately good dramatic moment is 
after like they did they uh drive those autobots off at the beginning and that like reporter asks like zarek like you know do you consider this like a victory for nebulos and like you know he looks over the wreckage of like that area they were fighting he was just like yes like and it's very like measured it's like you know it's like yeah like clearly it's not a victory but like yeah you know but well they, they have that like arboretum they totally destroy and it's like he has that you know, it's almost like that thing of like, I don't know, it's funny because it's like it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of how uh, I feel like this is probably to most people exemplified the best with the way the Batman, the animated series did Mr. Freeze. But there's there's certain degrees of this where where they make the villain have a you know, they create a strong sense of empathy for the the villain character right so that you feel sorry for them but then like i feel like there could be two extremes right where there's there's the one where it's like mr freeze is just a jewel thief he's a thug like who cares like he doesn't have a wife he doesn't have any of that you shouldn't feel sorry for him he's just a guy who steals diamonds the end and then there you know hopefully if if your if your goal is to be perfect or whatever right you shoot for that that heart of ice thing. And, and, and it's like, he's, he's villainous, but you see where he's coming from, but it's tragic and you appreciate why Batman has to lock him up, but you do still feel a tinge of sadness for him when he's looking at his little, you know, snow globe of, of his wife and all this other stuff. But then there's like the, the other extreme where it's like, you, it's like everybody who's bad becomes a good guy. You know, it's like Dr. Doom, you know, becomes invincible Iron Man and, Lex Luthor wears a Superman armor and and Sinestro is a Green Lantern again and like all this other, you know, Captain Cold's part of the Justice League or whatever fucking shit. And it's just like then it's like it feels like it went too far in the other direction. And I guess I I, I don't know what I feel like with like it's like it's it's so funny because I feel like this is so on the nose that when he destroys that Arboretum. It's all three of the examples I cited in three panels. It's like, flee, Autobots, flee! Your doom is imminent, for mine is the power that will bury you and save! And then the second panel, you actually feel some pathos. Nebulos? The nursery? It lies in ruins? I was so obsessed with destroying the Autobots, I couldn't see. What I was really doing, just like Galen said! You know, and it's just like, I don't know. It's funny, because it's like some of it works, and some of it some of it doesn't so yeah absolutely and i feel like you're right he is a butthead because he can't make up his mind right he his last ditch effort like like do you think like you know how you said that eventually the autobots are pretty much the nebulans that are controlling them like or you know that that pretty much scorponok is zarek like it feels like this is kind of like saying the complete opposite, right? Like that that the more Zarek bonds with Scorponok, the less he'll care about his daughter, the less he'll care about Nebulos, the more arboretums he'll blow up and destroy. And it's like that th- there's that moment like where he it, it's his last ditch effort to do something quote unquote noble and he frees Galen and all the other headmasters. And like then, then it's like later he, he has one last talk with his daughter, but 
it's like he can't even help it. It's like he can't just run off with his daughter. He's like, I, I have to go join the battle now. And it's like Scorponok and Zarek don't have a conversation. Like, why'd you free those guys, butthead? Like, they, they never have that conversation. But it's like, it's like the minute he walks away from his daughter, it's like now Zarek's not Zarek anymore. Zarek is Scorponok, or at least... I don't yeah. know. That's that's how it plays in this, but I I, I don't know. It's it, to, to me, it's it's that weird, you know, it's that weird thing of well, who is who, and you know, m maybe the lines just get so blurred, like you're saying. It's like Zarek is Scorponok and Scorponok is Zarek, and there's no in between. But both of them are an evil Decepticon, I guess. I I, I don't know if that makes sense, but that that's kind of. I don't know. It's, it just seems it's, like it's it vague at best. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. very yeah. That they really don't like, you know, when he it it feels like I don't know. He, he's mostly Scorponok when he's got you know when he's as you know he's got his head on and he's like in in the middle of a battle. But when as soon as he you know transforms back into Zarek and takes his helmet off, it's like oh my god, like what have I done? Like so right right. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Yeah, like it's it's like I said it. It, it it's at the convenience of the writer after this point, like how much, you know, the, the nebulins affect the, uh, the, the right, um, right. host. Yeah. 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 So sometimes it feels like something they didn't want to, or need to explore anymore. So they just kind of almost forget about a lot of these characters, I think. And that's too bad. Cause I think I mentioned when we talked about, we talked about like the rebirth, like there was tons of potential. Yeah. To like yeah. explore the bond between you know a Nebulon and an Autobot and stuff, and you know they there's some like UK like tech stories and stuff like that that like kind of get into it, but like not as much as you'd think. But I, I I feel like that's the thing. Like they they had a lot of these cool gimmicks. Like I always thought you know the you know an Autobot double spy. You know I thought that was a great gimmick, but I thought also that's something that you'd think. Dude, you could you could do a whole gigantic Miami Vice arc with that guy like that. That's why I was always talking about G.I. Joe Cobra, like like they should have written a G.I. Joe Cobra series. But instead of, you know, Chuckles and G.I. Joe, it should have been, you know, punch turning into counterpunch and infiltrating the Decepticons like long term, like a long term sting or whatever undercover agent and see how effed up it gets and, and make everything like really dark and ugly where he's got to like, you know, shoot Autobots teeth in just to to, to keep his cover and, and, and see how ugly it gets and stuff like that. But they never I, I mean, I don't I don't feel like they ever really fully explored that to its full potential, just like a lot of these other things, whether it's headmasters or, you know, I don't know, pretenders or whatever, like that. It's like, I, I think to a lot of writers, they just saw, okay, it's a toy gimmick. We'll, we'll pay it some lip service. And then I'll tell, you know, like you're saying with Budiansky, maybe he tells the, the human perspective on, you know, robot aliens coming to a planet, you know, that the story that he wants to tell, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I guess it kind of wraps up like they, you know, they, they, they fight off the Decepticons and then they're, they're trying to, tie it into the ongoing Transformers series. So they, you know, in, in the background of these, this mini series by the fourth issue, Hot Rod's still playing Breaker from G.I. Joe, and he gets a call from Autobots, but the Autobots are not on Cybertron, they're on Earth. And then, of course, Zarek and the Decepticons get the same message, so they know 
uh, How to Get to Earth as well. And if I recall correctly, that was Blaster and Goldbug that sent that message, right? Oh, um, it's uh, let me think. So yeah, Goldbug and Buster with Wiki send the message because okay. they yeah, Gold, Buster takes the little toy car Goldbug with right, his brain right, module right. to the Ark, and that that's where mm-hmm. they send the message. Yeah. Okay. 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 Do you can do you consider it like his another waste? I, I feel maybe a little bit of a waste of potential, or maybe it's it's even a little sad almost. But like, like the very issue that like the headmasters arrive on Earth, like Galen dies, and the, yeah, like they replace yeah. him with like you know Spike Wickwicky, and like I consider that almost a shame because like Spike Spike Wickwicky is at least in terms of the Marvel comic just like kind of a blank slate like Budiansky mm. just made him up to like you know kind of align the toys like because the right, toy right. was named spike so he was like oh buster has an older brother that i've never mentioned before and this is spike and it's like the same dude from the cartoon and he'll he'll become headmaster you know fortress maximus's new headmaster partner and that means galen's gotta go so like you know he he had like a captain kirk death if i remember correctly yeah, like something yeah. fell on him yeah, you know, Spike was I, like, you, you know, know you okay? know, I guess I guess because they spent so much time setting up these characters in this miniseries, I, especially now as an adult, I can see where you're coming from. I can see why that would be kind of effectively a waste. I think at the time, though, I was I was much more invested in the Sunbow cartoon. So I think that made me more invested in those Transformer comics because I'm like, finally, it's like. I was like something I recognize, like they got it right. It's not this Galen guy. It's it's Spike. Like it's you know quote unquote supposed to be you know like that thing. And I feel like uh, Spike gets a lot of undue acceptance from me because of the same reasons why I said I'm I'm glad to see the Technobots. You know because because uh, uh you know of of the the season three episodes. You know because because of money is everything right like that like that. that transferred over and i think i think it's super unfair because spike has what like three seasons worth of episodes like in the sunbow cartoon Uh i mean uh, uh, you know it's like before you you were under the impression you're like oh man you know what's up with this who's this buster guy you know like if all you knew was the cartoon and and if all you knew was the comic you're like who's this spike guy right like so there's that disconnect because you you kind of know that buster and spike were supposed to be the same character but then when they throw in the loop like oh no no buster has an older brother named spike then you're like oh well whoa wait a minute like you know that's now they're trying to course correct or you know like you said like line up with with the the toys that they're selling that the toy doesn't come with Galen. The toy comes with, with spike. So I think at the time I was, I was uh, way more on board with that, but I, I could understand what you're saying that, you know, they spend all this time setting up Galen, but then again, you, you know, what's funny to me is like outside of spike and maybe what, like GB Blackrock and circuit breaker, like, think of it this way like you think it was a waste for galen to show up and die like what about stylor and duros and arcana like do they ever have any like and they didn't die 
but yeah. they certainly had no arcs or no, you know, it's, it's not like yeah. there was ever, like, you can't sit there and go, oh, dude, remember the issue with Arcana? That was a great story. Yeah. Like, there isn't one. Like, there, there, nope. no, no, none of them. No, nobody's like, dude, remember the Duros issue? Like, nobody, nope. no, nobody knows any of that stuff because it doesn't happen. So, nope. uh, yeah. I'm pretty, like, you know, you can be pretty certain that Arcana and Duros died in issue, like, 75 when, like, yeah. Hardhead and Brainstorm died. But I, yeah. I think I told you, like, my headcanon is that before Highbrow went on his little suicide run against, like, Unicron, he, like, ejected Gort and said, mm. like, hey, go, like, hide somewhere. Like, I'm going to go do this. Like, If that's your headcanon, then my headcanon is that Gort flew back to Nebulos and is making out with Marita for, like, yeah, the rest exactly. of his life. Yeah, exactly. He went to go have some ba more babies with Marita. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, I went, I fought in the Unicron War. It's time for me to retire. Like, let's go, baby. Like, you know, okay. <laughs> So just to get to the, the end of this and, and just mention it again, like the whole, you know, Lyra, you know, basically comes and says, oh, you know, I, I, I've realized the error of my ways. Like, tell me the truth. And instead, Galen is just basically like, you know, no, we just want to get out of this wretched mud ball. Like and, and <laughs> he, 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 you know, has her run off crying and and Duros is kind of like, why didn't you tell her the truth? And basically, he's like, if she still loved me, then I could never leave. You know, I had to lie, prepare for immediate departure. And I I feel like that's the kind of Zen Law, you know, Silver Surfer Shala Ball thing that yeah. I'm seeing, where it's like he gives up the love of his life to to carry out his duty, right? To to save his planet, like you know, whatever you want to refer to it as, right? And he he leaves Nebulos so that, that Lyra and, and his planet are safe, right? They're they're you know, it's not necessarily they're safe from Galactus, but they're they're safe from this galactic transformer civil war, right? Conceivably, like we're saying in our headcanon, right? Like like uh Gort has a home to go back to once once Highbrow let him jump ship before Transformer seventy five, so he can he can go back to Marita and make babies and whatnot, right? Like, yeah, like Regeneration One specifically says that like Stylor survived like for the next like thirty years, and then like he went back to Nebulos and Chrome Dome and him were debonded. So, mm, okay, but like they yeah they never mention like you I guess you got to assume that like you know according to Regeneration One at least all the others died. So mm, okay. But, which is ironic because like Stylor's the one they thought wouldn't cut it, and he's probably the one who survived the longest. Right, right, right. Yeah, but but it is sad because like Galen died alone on some alien planet, and is like you know the love of his life never knew that he you know he just did it to make it you know to you know made a sacrifice basically. Right, so, right. But I mean, unless Stylor came back and was like, "Hey, yo, this is what went down." Stylor, Stylor hooked up with her. Stylor writes a tell-all book and, yep. and and explains everything. Man, like, dude, like, that the end of that second issue, that's another thing I forgot to mention. It's like, you know, when all the, the, the people are gathered around, like, the new Autobot headmasters, those, like, chicks are all on Stylor's arm, and they're like, we missed you at the parties! <laughs> Like well, that's, that's why that's that's why they were criticizing him. He's he's basically like Bruce Wayne without the Batman part, right? He just yeah. he goes to parties and and hooks up with uh, all the dumb bunnies, you know. Like, the, there's another weird time thing. Wait, so like in the time that Stylor like volunteered, 
like went under underwent that surgery, like bonded to Chrome Dome and had that fight. How many like Nebulan parties were there that he like the girls missed him? Like, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> there were tons, bro. There was tons. How, how many Nebulan parties could have fit in that little uh 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 <laughs> what is it? King's Landing uh, fort yeah, that they have. I guess or so. Uh-huh. Okay, so that like Sailor went back to Neb with Lara. Hey, yo, dude. Like Galen died. Like, okay, let's go. Let's do this. It's like, see now that now I think of that scene where Galen's like trapped under the rock and like spikes like uh you know, Galen's like uh it was fun. Like <laughs> it was fun. I I I I do enjoy the the follow up to these as well. Like those are some of my favorite issues. So I'm I'm certainly yeah. sensitive uh, or nostalgic about those issue, as well. Issue number forty one, I think, is one of my favorite issues of all time. Like when they have the duel on the moon between Blaster and Grimlock, and mm -hmm. like that's when the you know the the Nebulan Autobots and the Earth Autobots meet for the first time. Yeah, so yeah, yeah but uh, yeah, I, I think, mean, just I think, like, I think, like I think one of my favorites is the. The 39, like, I love the Shockwave's little island spaceship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep, yep. You know, uh -huh. the whole sort of degradation of Fortress Maximus. He he goes after it in the giant, you know, Titan body. Fort, and Fort Max gets, gets the shaft. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then after the, the missile goes through that, he turns into Cerebros, and then after that, it's Spike. You know, like, I, th I thought all that stuff was cool, and he's trying to, you know, of course, Buster's on the island. He's trying to save Buster, and they're doing the Rathacon thing through the shield, and, you know, I, I, I liked all that kind of stuff. I like, I like despite everything, I mean, I, I don't have a high opinion of this series, like, quality-wise, but I still love it, like, just nostalgia-wise, like, you know, quite, like... I still like, you know, just have a general love for the Marvel comics of this era. So, I mean, like, I still enjoyed I'm, I'm, reading I'm, this. I'm fairly blinded. You know what I mean? Like, like, I can't, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I understand kind of like we when we talk about like the, the errors and flaws in the Sunbow cartoons. Like, I understand that, you know, not everything in this is picture perfect and that there's, there's flaws with it and everything, but I'm, I'm still, uh, highly nostalgic uh when it comes to this miniseries so i i it's hard for me to you know i mean i i can sit there and throw stones at it but it's more like you know kind of like in in loving fun more than it is in in like this is the worst thing i've ever you know it's not like that it's like i i actually enjoy this i like I've always liked the character of Fortress Maximus so like and the fact that this mainly focuses on him you know it's like that's that's a selling point for me and, yeah. you know, I think now, you know, it's like, OK, I can look at it and kind of go, hey, some of these chicks look good. And, you know, there's there's some fun action scenes and, and all this kind of stuff. So for, for the most part, like I'm 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 OK with this. I think uh, the the bubble machine just kind of like broke me this time where I'm like, man, that's what what is your plan? Like, I, I don't I don't understand, dude. Like the bubble machine like why, but, why didn't they yeah, yeah. Why didn't they use the bubble machine on unicron they can put a bubble on yeah them, right but yep uh-huh bring out the, the bubble machine and the anti-gravity gun like this is a two-stage plan yeah first get the bubble around unicron second zap the bubble they're also there's got to be wheel get wheeljack and brainstorm to make a you know a, a gun that like negates gravity and encases you in a bubble at the same time like there you go we'll make it a one-step plan 
In fact, don't didn't they have that on in the Cyberverse? What would didn't Wheeljack make those like anti gravity things he or did. whatever? Yeah. Uh huh. Oh my god. But yeah, I mean, like I said though, I mean, uh, I still have some like measure of appreciation for this, even though if I I don't hold it highly, like you know, there are tons and tons of Marvel comics I like better than this mini series, but but yeah, the the stuff that sprung yeah, I mean, from I mean, it, it's, it's tons it's, of. It's... It's fair to say, like it's it's not it's not on my top ten comic transformer stories or anything, but but I mean I I still enjoy it and it's still something I I look fondly back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It did. It there's so much potential here, and whether or not that potential was actually like you know fully exercised is another question. But yeah. this, yeah, it, I enjoy like you know. And I, I really enjoy like all the like Transformers universe pro- profiles that Budiansky wrote for these characters because like I feel like the the Headmasters and Targetmaster ones were like doubly long because he also included like a paragraph about their like Nebulon partner in mm-hmm. each one too. So like you know, and that's another thing like you know since Budiansky's writing all these characters, like you get a sort of sense for like all those Nebulon characters that you might not have gotten from like the Rebirth. Yeah, that's true. In the midst of the Cybertronian War, special mission teams of Autobots and Decepticons blasted their way to planet Nebulon. There, the powerful Transformers let the intelligent Nebulons become the heads of their robots. But the Headmasters were still Autobots and Decepticons, and fierce new battles erupted. Follow the adventures of the Headmaster Transformers and the equally incredible Targetmaster Transformers in Marvel Comics. All right, I guess I guess we're done. So if anybody has any comments, questions, and or concerns, if you're like a butthead and you have concerns, you can send us emails at panelspodcast at gmail.com. If you're a political observer... And you want to observe the other podcasts, you can go find the backlog of podcasts over at fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. You can direct download all the episodes there, and you can stream us. We're on Podbean. We are also on Apple Podcasts. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And we're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive. So, until the next time, this is Derek, Derek WC, and it is the will of Scorponok, fool, signing off. Shall toil no longer in this nest of buttheads. Let us encase ourselves in the anti-gravity bubbles and leave this planet.
I've I've had it. I've had it up to here. You know, if only I could go to Nebulos and make out with Marita. Like, I think if I had that option, like, right now, like, right this minute, I would bring you guys all with me and we'd Man, go Nebulos. to Nebulos. It's like, yeah, it's like Nebulos is just full of, like, war widows, I guess, now. <laughs> like, geez. <laughs> <sighs> Just terrible. 